0: out to
1: be a punk rocker, you know what I do... Warning, this podcast contains hot takes, cliched opinions and strong language. Welcome to Records and facts Right, welcome to the show. We've got a very special guest tonight who, um, actually, Sam, I think I'll let you introduce our special guest considering you had a poster of him on your wall when we were kids. Oh, wow.
2: Well yeah i don't want to uh i i wasn't going to go straight to that but uh, i'm going to have to i am going to have to bring that's it what up mates are for
0: isn't it dropping you in it
2: that's it yeah so yeah i'm uh, a long time not forest fan i'm going to be honest well you're not um, you said not i was thinking well that. all right yes yeah. yes okay <laughs> but however i do have this copy of uh yeah, was... the nottingham forest magazine issue two And I just wanted to say, really, that on a pretty chilly March evening, nine-year-old me experienced the highs and lows of football to a degree that I have uh, never seen before or since, Bayern Munich at the city ground. And we got absolutely thumped, if I'm (laughs) being honest. Well,
0: (laughs) you know what? You're right. But um, when you zoom out, we did, yeah. But... um, I think what we did at their ground was nothing short of miraculous, and yeah, I think we great. did hold them off. Yeah, you know, I mean <laughs> that that team had Ziga, Kahn, Hapan, Klinsman, Ridiculous. Mateus, so we did a fairly decent job on them. And I think I think for about when it was their first goal? Do you, know, do you know? I think the issue is: do you know in other games in, in that in that run? We got smashed, and I mean smashed. Augsere away was mental. Leon away was mental. We got smashed. It was edge of the box stuff. But we just, I think something really beautiful happened in that Bayern Munich game. We just kind of cut loose with it, and um, we're quite, we're quite free aside. As so I think we went at them, and I think that's credit to Frank Clark. I think Frank Clark really uh, like, sort of just opened us out, you know, put us into fifth gear against them, and. um you could argue, yes, we got battered, but you could argue we played some of the best football we played in that run in the first 20, 25 minutes, maybe half an hour. And the goal came yeah. and the next goal came and then it just, you know, they, they they went up a gear, didn't they? And they that that was that.
2: I, re- I remember it, and we. I promise this isn't going to be a, a little nostalgia trip for me, I promise. Um, That's all remember- I've got, mate, these days, so bring it on. <laughs> I remember from the, the two previous games, did we, we were away and we come away 2-1, and then we won at one at the city ground and we were two one down against Bayern. And like nine year old me just assumed we'd we'd win one 0 Simple as that. Well, you know, that's what we always do.
0: But people of our generation that well, I'm mean, you know I'm a generation above then if you were nine then, but like Forest are back where they belong now, obviously. But for hmm. a long, 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 long time, Forest fans didn't know what it was like to expect to win when you're playing against Man United, or expect to win when you're yeah. playing against Tottenham away. Especially, (laughs) or or, you know, you're going to give Arsenal a good game, or you're going to give Liverpool a good game. You know, those that was that was the team I came up through under Clough and came into with with Frank Clark. You know, that that was expected. And as a young kid, a snotty young kid, like with all the ego in the world, uh, not ego, sorry, that's the wrong word, all the confidence in the world. Coming through fully expected of myself. What a mad thing to be like mm. 19 going, Yeah, you're gonna, we're gonna tear you a new backside, mate. It's coming. <laughs> it's balmy. I, I look back at that kid now and just go, My God, where, what the confidence in that fellow was astounding. I don't recognize him.
1: I've got one, <laughs> I did have a couple of football questions, but Sam's gone on the football a bit. So I've just got one football question for you. Yeah, go on. Who would you say is the better player, Erling Haaland or your former teammate, his dad? <laughs> and how many times have you been asked that question? First time, because it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous how good a player that boy is, isn't it? It's frightening. It's. Uh, are you a City fan? Me? No, I'm Everton, so I've got no. nothing to crow about at all. Oh, you're a
0: toffee. My old man's a toffee as oh, well, excellent. so
1: good on yeah, you. It's not great at the minute, um, is it?
0: <laughs> it's not great, but Daichi Daichi knows what he's doing,
1: yeah, so don't yeah. you
0: worry about that. Just need to get he, the they, Russian money launderers like the way. <laughs> yeah, just that. Yeah. <laughs> what I, I uh Erling Haaland did an interview recently. It was probably I say recently, it was probably six months ago. And he um he said his perfect game and it's probably really angered Pep, but I just I fell in love with him. And I'm a Liverpool fan. I was born in Bootle, so I love Liverpool and my team. They're in my blood. But I love Nottingham Forest and I love Plymouth Argyle. Um, and I got a real soft spot for Carlisle and Preston. To be fair, but um, but yeah. So he said, "What was it? Uh, my perfect game would be to touch the ball three times and score a hat trick." And I was just like, "Oh yeah. God!" He he's like, he's a brutalist footballer, isn't he? It's just, mm. yeah, yeah, he's he's astounding to watch. Um, so many players have like gone to the next level and the next level in terms of skills. You've got Ronaldo and Messi, heights we've never seen, doing it at pace, you know, Ronaldinho. Um, bizarre to have a player that's just fucking Ivan Drago yeah. on a football field. <laughs> it's mental. That's exactly I,
2: it, I love it?
0: it. I love it. I love watching him. He's made me fall in love. Not with Man City, I won't say that, but he's made Man City likable, I think. Mm-hmm. And rather than them have just six wing bot 2.0s across the front line and just tip tapping into the net and boring boring everyone to death. Yes. Um he's ha- he's had a he, he's added character and a real character that side and 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 it's like <sighs> Not that this is a positive in any sense, really, but there's a real Britishness to a big number nine. There's something that connects board, you when you've got someone like de Bruyne who's put who's for years been putting things on a sixpence has now just got to put it into a 20 yard square area, yeah. roughly. Yeah. And you've got this flying Norwegian lunatic just screaming at it with outside of his left foot in 30 foot in the air, just walloping <laughs> it. It's mental, it's just mental. I love him. I love him. He's, he's just comedy football. Brilliant.
1: brilliant. Um, <laughs> importantly, you've probably been, well, you've been a musician while you were playing and obviously you know, since playing, but we've been a musician for probably as long as you were playing. So should we get into the music a bit?
0: I'd love to. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, um, people always ask me about the music when I go on football podcasts yeah. and stuff, but um, yeah, thank you for asking <laughs> me on to talk about, to talk about music, yeah. it'll, be a, it'll be a real pleasure.
1: So, hopefully, Sam sent you through the 10 questions of doom that we like to call it. Yeah, yep, doom did. away, brilliant. So, our first question is always, Paul, what are your top three albums of all time? So, I've written you lists, right? Brilliant.
0: That
2: I can elaborate on, but that's all you get. So, <laughs> don't make me freestyle here.
0: So, the first one would be. The Velvet Underground, the first album, the Banana album, the Andy Warhol album, because I heard it at a, young, a youngish age, it was one of the first albums, I had, a, I had a group of mates when I went up to comp, I kind of liked music, it was there or thereabouts, it was rattling around in the house, I think we had about five vinyls, my mum and dad aren't mad fans of music, although my mum loved Patsy Cline and Johnny Mathis, so we had those knocking about, but... The albums I was interested in that we, we had were Beatles Rock and Roll Volume Two, the Trogs, some Trogs album, and as you do. yeah, as you do, and the Jungle Book audio. Uh, was it album. the
1: one with the storybook in it? Yes, I've got was, that in yeah. the other room. I, wow, yeah, amazing! Yeah. <laughs> oh, and um,
0: oh, what was the other one? And I, I actually thought about this when you asked me, and I, it slipped my mind. But it was probably. Super informative, this one. I get the name of the boy, a guy who who had an orchestra who played all the sci-fi theme tunes. I
1: think I know what you mean. It had a
0: blue album on the front cover that you've got like Princess Leia, like this. Yeah, the...
1: I, I can see it. I can't tell you who it was though. I'll, do you know what? I'll text it to yeah, you. But do, it was...
0: Yeah, do. So those four. Those four albums I had in the house knocking about. So I kind of listened to music. It was knocking about. I enjoyed my, I enjoyed hearing my mum's sort of melancholy as she was cooking Sunday dinner, listening to Patsy Cline or Johnny Mathis or John Denver. So that still sticks with me a little bit. I love country because of that. Um, but yeah, so when I went up to comp, I was lucky enough to have friends in my class who had older brothers and they were the coolest fuckers. They were just... <laughs> they were just ace. So I went from... Listen to that in my house to go mum can i go and see andy uh in Bramcut? well i'll drive you over there okay and then he'll be sat in his room and we we'll having a laugh and you would just hear like new gold dream by simple minds <laughs> drifting down the corridor you'd be like what is why is that and so mate and i'd go and see my mate austin oz and he had an older brother who was the same age as um, this goes into your informative um, characters by the way question but his brother was called matt and he was a proper like um looked like Brian Jones, bowl head. Yeah. Used to wear like roll necks, anoraks, because it was that whole kind of poo-sticks, um, pastels, twee, Glasgow indie thing going on at the time, drain pipes, winkle pickers, but used to go around on a on a on a uh, skateboard. This so you've got the nice. skateboard, yeah. an indie kid with winkle pickers, and you'd just be like <laughs> uh, it was so exotic. It was just amazing. And he'd be sat in his room and you'd just hear this horrendous feedback that was so intoxicating and then Lou Reed singing heroin and you're just like oh my god this is just this is everything I've ever wanted Uh, and to this day I I still think my um, the reason why I quite enjoy my own time with my tinnitus is because of the Velvet Underground because that's the sound in my head. If there's not a drone or feedback on a record, I lose interest quickly. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the, I think the velvet and it just, it stuck to me like glue. <laughs> That's an album that has never gone away. Like, you know, they're informative albums, like, like going through Britpop pop and stuff in the right time. And you've got, you've got a Northern soul and um, uh, definitely maybe. And, Dogman Star and all these albums sort of, that really that are around and they're part of you the Velvet album just has, has stuck to me throughout any phase I've ever gone through it's always got something for me all the time so and it's my, it's the thing I go back to all the time yeah. like where's the drone where's the drone where's like the... the held note where's the bent the held bent note if it hasn't
1: got that I, I, I don't hear emotion mm. I just it's weird for me it's almost like a musical comfort blanket for you
0: yeah, yeah. To to some sonically as well, yeah. which is odd because it's sonically, it's 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 brutal, it's abrasive, yeah. it's it's nasty, it's dissonant. Um, but I find they're they're all the things that I that I love um, in in a, in a lot of music. They're the things that yeah. I fall in love with.
1: Excellent. Choice. So um,
0: the next one would be. I was aware of Bowie. I'd heard all the hits, and then. I saw Brett Anderson in the NME sat in a bed in his bedsit on a mattress with an enormous poster behind him, uh, the front cover of Low, And I was like, What is that? Like, I was already in love with Suede. I'd I'd stumbled upon Suede supporting Kingmaker at Knotts Polly. So we'd gone to see Kingmaker, and all my mates at the time, you know, were just like, Oh, who's that? Who are these puffers? You know, it was proper. That's <laughs> that's the response. And i have stood there like this, just yeah. falling in love, glued to it, loved the androgyny, loved that they were just utterly different.
1: I think the Mannix might have been kicking around. Yeah, yeah I got that from the Mannix. Like seeing Nicky which and Richie with you just like, do people come like that? That's brilliant, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, just creatures. I've mm. just always been uh, obsessed with like people that are just creatures that – are just over there, and they're just, they just—they look like that, and I just like Pfft. wow. Because um, I've always walked an odd little world, being a jock and a weirdo, <laughs> you know, a jock and an indie. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's odd. So uh, I'm popular at school, but you—you you won't fucking beat me up because yeah. I'll knock you out. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> at school, so I was a weird little character, Um, but uh so. I remember seeing that and I remember going, right. And I went to selected this in Nottingham city center and I had enough for one album and I was flicking through the Bowie CDs and scary monsters jumped out at me. And I went, right. Okay. I'm having you. Low wasn't there. I'd have picked low if it was Mm -hmm. there. And I went home and with the thoughts of what I'd seen with suede, um, this sort of heroin chic, this sort of uh, feminine version of whatever it was, this this drug fueled uh, camp that was happening that was intoxicating. I put that album on and you got like at the beginning of it and then you got no 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 all the Japanese mm-hmm. starts coming at you
1: Silhouettes and shadows
0: and he just goes like yeah. this lunatic and i was just like this is everything this is it's got the that dissonance of the like i expected bowie to be like heroes or something mm-hmm. yeah and then after that you've got up the hill backwards which is so pop and then scary monsters just weirded me out properly and uh, then ashes to ashes and then teenage wildlife oh my god and so on and so forth yeah yeah uh, and then the reprise of scary movies, silhouettes and shadows. <laughs> it's just it's it was the coolest thing. It blew my teenage mind. Ab- how, how, how music, what exactly what music should do to a teenager's brain, that album did. It ripped it to shreds and put it and and as, and it's been ripped to shreds ever since. And it's been open to all and sundry ever since
1: it's brilliant to hear that about bowie because like from when you found him which would have been what when would that have been about 91 92 yeah about 91 so you hear that from you know older people should we say when they're the when they're back in 74 75 talking about you know ziggy stardust yeah um you know but so to hear that from you 20 years later on that he's still having that same effect on the kids then is brilliant
0: He's doing the same with my daughter now. Yeah. Like, uh, um, It's hard not to indoctrinate your kids, isn't it, to some degree, because they're, they're around your music all the time. That's
2: kind of the point, isn't it, a little bit? <laughs> That's the point of having kids, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, Get, make yourself a little buddy.
0: <laughs> is the orange hair dye. Now go and have a, have a about with that. <laughs> but yeah, so she's sort of she likes all the hits, but she's sort of like, oh, what's that? She's getting drawn to like, you know, she'll come and knock on the door. Like, the, the second side of low will be on while I'm doing some work. And she'll just be like, daddy, what's that song? So it's uh, it's working. Mm. It's, it's working.
2: <laughs> it's so, it's um... really cool stuff like that. Because we, we speak about a bit on the podcast. Like, you you only get to discover things once, don't you? And, like, yeah. there's a risk that you kind of, um, like, Rob, you said about Nirvana and your kids. And you, you kind of run that risk of, like, you kind of want them to discover stuff on their own. So they get that moment of like, oh my god, this is incredible. Yeah. yeah. But it's a bit of a risk because if they don't get there, you know, you kind of so you got to lay, lay little traps, isn't it?
1: Almost. Like, yeah. Because if they don't,
0: yeah. if they don't I'm get sure. it, it's like your kids are prick. Oh, no, you're a prick. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what was the point of having you? Exactly. Exactly.
1: <laughs> I often say that, like, for, for me, and and it's entirely my own fault that my kid is never going to listen to do little by the pixies for the first time because he's just been on in the background for his whole life. Yeah. Because I, yeah and yeah. I can't not listen to it. Yeah. So, but hopefully he doesn't have the same reaction to it. Um, as I did with queen, with my dad playing queen endlessly, I can't have it near me now, That, mate, what is yeah, is? I'm just what an idiot. Is queen? I just don't get there. There are bands, right. And I'm not slugging anyone off for
0: liking any music, like, Crack on, good on you. I'm not one of those people that puts bands down, I'm really not. Or people that for into. I've got friends that like love Queen, but I've got I've got bands, and artists that just leave me utterly cold. And I'm fully aware how great they are, fully aware how brilliant they are. we Will sing a song when it comes on. Led Zeppelin are the same. Mm. Queen and Led Zeppelin for me. I'm just kind oh, of like, it, but they bounced off me. I just I, like Led Zeppelin. I'll go fucking yeah, that's a tune. Next one, I'll go. That's the same tune. Third one, I've got, I've got it. <laughs>
2: yeah. I've got it. I'm yeah. just, uh, like, I'm, in, I'm, I'm in, I've got I it. I do not get Led Zeppelin one little bit at all. Like, right, I, I'm not. It? All right, like... Sam, we're
1: not here to talk about you. Um, did, <laughs> no, did... we, are, we are a little bit. Did you have, yeah, did well, you have a third album? A podcast.
0: I do have a third album and it ties back to um, the Manics because amidst Britpop, and obviously yeah. I'm, I'm using the Britpop football as a thing at the minute, like tongue firmly in cheek, but what that album, what, sorry, The Holy Bible by mm. the Manic Street Preachers. Obviously. What that album did to that entire period was just add such, I don't know, it's really hard to explain. Mm-hmm. Like, it's high art. Like, it, the the you've got a guy I don't think Nirvana got there. Nirvana, like, it, it could have only have happened from those four boys from Blackwood.
2: I don't think I'm going to be needed tonight, nah. if I'm being honest. No. Uh, am I just talk, you, you talking live? Very much speaking <laughs> um, in the same language. Yeah, for me, the Holy
1: um, Bible is one of the top five albums of all time, ever. I think it's absolutely, I agree. I it's monumental. I, I
0: could argue. I could argue with anybody that Faster is the greatest British yeah. single of all time. Yeah, And that the... the, the, the um, There's already a thousand flooding into my head. Going, that's better. That's (laughs) better. Um, But you know, at any given moment, I mean, where they were in their career, the fact that Rich, that just the, just everything that Richie was in, that when you hear the band talk about how beautiful Richie looked, how fragile he was, he was. It was just not. uh, This is nothing to do with the for real on the arm, but look, just how real it was. How. But how fake everyone thought they were, how plastic they thought they were, how throwaway they thought they were. And they were just like, no, 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 no. You're missing everything. You can look at the jeans and the eyeliner and the fur coats, but there's there's something like that in the middle of it, just rattling like mad. And it's, gonna, it's going, it can't stay here forever. It's too beautiful. It's too dark. It's too, um, it's too, f- full of life to continue that you felt that with Kurt and you felt that with the Mannix. And when I heard that, when I heard the Holy Bible and like, even now I get, even thinking about, like it sends shivers down me. And yes, it's because I was young and and a lot of this music that I'm going to be talking to you about is about it hit me at the right time. Of course, we all know that informative years and things, but I def- that that album transcends music for me. That is one of those things that you put on and you can't you can't just be over there in the background. It's just it's on and you go
2: mm, mm.
0: and it's it's is just it, thrilling. No one is else could one have that made that album. A lot. No. Say <laughs> again.
2: i said, no Sorry, just is it is it one that you you listen yeah, to all the time? Yeah. Yeah, is I there's... go back to it often. Right, because there's some records and it's It's a reset
0: for me lyrically
2: right yeah because where it's
0: like if if i get into a bit of a fugue or anything lyrically my the my subconscious uses it and i go back to it and then it leads me back into joy division and it leads me back into it just leads me down the down great paths it just centers me and it puts me back where i should be i think uh lyrically even when i'm being throwaway lyrically and daft yeah yeah just think give it the gravity give it the gravitas as well you know just yeah. just give it weight as well sorry to interrupt you but but yes it is something no, no, to no.
2: that's fine because i know you get you get some things it's quite often perhaps something you get more with film but there are some records where like you 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 watch a film or you're listening to an album you're like that's great but i don't know how often i'm gonna want to listen to that like i think about sort of some of the last johnny cash records you yeah know, especially that, that fifth american recording one where like it's an incredible piece of work and it's like, it's so hard to listen to. Yeah. But it, it, it is. Yeah. And you just kind of think like, I love that record, but I'm not going to put it on that often.
0: Yeah. It's like, I think, that I think the thing about the Holy Bible and, and albums like uh Nick Cave's skeleton tree where somebody's pulled the curtains back and it's just like, there I am. Mm. That's that like, there I am. And it's that naked. You feel you feel that you're into something that's beyond music, that's special, that's that connects like a human, so beautifully and so perfectly that you you feel like a voyeur to some degree. Exactly. I
1: was going to say with skeleton Tree*, especially, it's like you really get a sense of like I'm not sure if this is actually meant for anyone else. Yeah, you but know. I think you can get by that.
0: It's interesting you mentioned film because films. There's a film that really affected me that I thought that was insanely beautiful, but I I've I've never been back to watch it, and that was irreversible. You ever seen Irreversible? Oh, no, I haven't, no. Well, I mean, there's a there's a 14-minute rape scene in it oh, with Monica geez, Bellucci. Right. Yeah. And it, it's yeah, it's it's I mean, it's proper, yeah. it's it's hardcore, but the film is in Like yeah. um Thomas Bangalta from from Daft Punk did the soundtrack. Okay.
2: Um,
0: and it's uh, vincent cassell and monica bellucci and it's it runs backwards the so the film runs backwards you've got ah, to right. watch it yeah, yeah. it's in it's so amazing but once you've watched it you're like you're pinned to mm. your chair and it, it, it for a week you're like oh my god like so if you're into things that affect you and you're brave enough to go and be affected by things and not scared by books or movies that affect you and offend you, and because that's the that's the duty of art, in my opinion, and our art artists, they should do those things. They should have the ability to do those things, and as a society, to get po- political very quickly, we should uphold those that, those rights mm-hmm. of artists because their job always has been, always should be, um, as artists. That mm-hmm. is not not for any fucker, but so. When something comes along like that, that that just is just viscerally unapologetically there, and you have to experience you experience it, you are on its roller coaster, and you just you're going. I think that's that's where great art lies. And irreversible did that for me, and I'd never watch it again. I couldn't watch it again for that particular scene. I mean, I've watched the shower scene with Monica mm-hmm. Bellucci several times, but that's a different <laughs> story. <laughs>
1: um speaking of artists have you got a top three artists top three artists yeah or is that too difficult
0: well yeah it changes all the time but i i don't want to give you those because one of my top one of my top three is the answer to your um question. Artists that right. my friends don't get.
1: Okay, cool. Right. Ah, well okay. we'll crack on we'll then. our up a try there yeah. yeah. So <laughs> again, I'm not sure if we've touched on this yet or not. But um what was the first record that you bought with your own money or you specifically asked someone to go and buy for you?
0: That would be I got pocket money and I went and bought Adam Ant's friend or foe.
1: Oh brilliant. <laughs> from Woolworths Excellent. which is a great oh, artwork. Not forgotten. Woolworths. beautiful front cover as well. Really great artwork um previous guest a couple of weeks ago uh John he was he he bought a Adam and the Ants record for his first record as well so you're in good company Which um, one? I can't I can't remember no Prince Charming, maybe. Yeah, probably yeah. Yeah, he was about 10 so <laughs> it's a mad little
0: album that no, yeah. Prince Charming, by the way. Well, I think we spoke... you, got, you got the you got the pop hits yeah. but like there's some bonkers
1: stuff on there. We sp- I think we described it as like um sanitized punk for the kids or something like that, you know. Have um, you ever
0: seen any, go and watch, you you do worse than spending half an hour on YouTube watching Early Ad and the ants. Yeah, they were great. thrilling. Yeah. Two drummers, like you say faux punk, but they like, they went down that like uh, Indian route, but like native Indian route, but like, good God, it was, you know, I mean, no more so than like the Southern Death Cult or the Cult. You know, they were just incredible, yeah. like so powerful, great to watch, honestly. And to go from that, by the way, into Adamant and yeah. do it pop was, I think, yeah, was yeah. I think it's beautiful. I love that. I love anybody that commercializes. I love when artists who are underground, because it reminds me of all the great artists from the eighties, like Madonna that were just club kids that be, that got money pumped into them mm-hmm. and, and PR and his great songs. I love that. I love good pop music. And I love that about like a, an, an odd character, a weirdo getting pushed to the front of popular society. Excellent. Much better now than them being Roder yeah. treadmill. Brit school.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um, what's the last good, thing you, good on those kids, but yeah. yeah. What was the last thing you listened to? That all downloaded, streamed, bought physical. Well, I don't know. What's the last album you listened to? Uh,
0: talking about my daughter's indoctrination, when I wrote the list earlier. She really loves Jerry Cinnamon, my daughter.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, um, yeah, yeah.
2: i mind a bit of Jerry, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how can you not? Yeah. It blows my mind when you see his gigs, how rowdy they are. Because he he gets it going, doesn't he?
0: Drum machine on the floor, Mm. acoustic guitar, off we go. Brilliant. Um, His his album, The Bond, is great. It's genuinely, I, I love it to bits. It's just, it's just. He's one of those, like, as I've got older, I used to be a bit more, a lot more of a snob music But mm. As I've got older, I just think, fucking, he's having it, mate. Like, he's doing it. Like, he's, the tunes are going out. Like, good on him. So what? Um. So, me and my daughter spent the day in the car the other day and he's got a new live album out and we put that on. So, when I wrote this this afternoon, that was the last thing I streamed. Brilliant. Before I came out, I saw a tweet by Jay from Sleeped Mods, saying The Crystal Shit by The Doors is the greatest song ever written.
2: <laughs>
0: so, at, at that moment, I had to go and listen to The Crystal Shit by The Doors. So, the first Doors album is actually the last right. one of, when I was cooking. That's um, a great album.
1: I don't know rate. if that's even the best Doors song, though, to be honest. But
0: Well, that's what everyone said on the tweets. Yeah. But um, it's, a, it's one of those songs, though, that, again, no one else could have written. It's yeah. just beautiful song
1: we spoke on um our last episode that went out was um episode 100 and i was the star of that show and someone asked me um you know one band you could have watched live that you never got the chance to see and for me it was the doors it was just like absolutely that, they, i had just, everything yeah and it, anyone that whinges to me about the doors
0: Oh, the lyrics it was fifth grade lyrics it just yeah like some of it was off.
1: but he was a sexy bastard doing his thing. Oh
0: my god! What do you want out of yeah, a band? Yeah, exactly. Rock and roll. They're isn't weird. It? <laughs> They're yeah. proper fucking weird as well. Like they couldn't be more arty. Jazz, jazz musician, classically trained guitarist, jazz drummer,
1: and then that up front. Like, what do you oh, want yeah. from a band? Speaking of the live experience, um, can you remember your first gig? I mean,
0: I'll be surprised if you have anyone on your show that can better this. Come. On. It was the roller coaster tour in the 90s. Blur, Dinosaur Jr., My Bloody Valentine, Jesus and Mary Chain.
1: Right, there's an odd one out there to me.
0: Well, it was early Blur, and yeah. early Blur were a bit naughty as well. Yeah, they're a bit more punky.
2: I mean, I saw the Eagles at Wembley, mate. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: sorry, but um. Yeah, have you, have you ever seen My Buddy
1: Valentine? Um, no, I haven't. No. I feel like I might have seen them support... Your ears would it, tell you if you Man. had. Yeah. It's the loudest... Other than Mogwai, it's the loudest thing I've ever heard in my life. I've seen Mogwai. I wasn't overly really keen on Mogwai, to be honest, but... Were you not? they they they've supporting the Manics, so I was there to see my boys, and um, yeah, okay. it's not really... It's like we we saw yeah, he, I get it, yeah. Saw him brain supporting the Manics as well, and it was like... Uh-huh. Come on. It could could have been anyone on the Fallen of Manics. I just wanted to see my boys, you know. So yeah, I it's... get I get that. Um what's the last gig you went to Paul?
0: Well, it was um it was Ice Age at um the rescue rooms. I actually I actually took Sean Deitch.
1: Oh excellent. Yeah, because oh, I... he's
0: he's mad into his music, yeah. so um I often give him Check this band out, check this band out. Anything new, anything cool. So because uh, he was at Forest with me, he was in the youth mm-hmm. team. He was back then. He was he was a couple of years older. Um, so yeah, I was anything say, knocking no, about?
2: to struggling to believe that you two are of a similar age, to be honest. No, no offense to <laughs> sure. But, uh, I'm gonna take that as a compliment. Paper than you.
0: Hey, you say that though. Do you know he shaves his head? He's got a full head of hair.
2: Really? Yeah. Ah, well, we yeah. learned Many
1: people know
2: that. <laughs>
1: um. There's also a a fairly famous gig that you played while playing for Forest. I wasn't there. You did you play at the Rock City with your band Merck? I've
2: played. Yeah. Um, I,
1: that's. I I think that was one that was in the papers. I think that might have been part of the whole Brit Pop foot, Yeah. Category, I mean, we it? we weren't
0: ready. We weren't right. ready. We we're a school band. It was my school band. Right. Okay. We were. We were still. We had um, we had a few of our own tracks. Probably had five tracks of our own, but we were we were still doing covers like um, "Song of a Baker" and um, "Made in Heaven" by Bebop Deluxe and David Essex's "Rock On." Oh, and, brilliant! You know, uh, we just weren't ready. Right. Like I was still aping frontmen. You know, like trying to I was trying to find my feet the only real musician in the band was the guitarist. who was Mm -hmm. shit hot. It was one of my mates from school whose older brothers was great, but um, he was one of those annoying pricks that just one month he was a drummer and he won all the drum competitions in Nottinghamshire. And then the next month he's picked up the guitar and everyone's like, you're John Squire overnight. How's that happened?
1: That sounds like our our, um, other brother who never comes on the show and never talks to us, but yeah, give him something with strings and he'll get a tune out of it. You know? Yeah.
2: Okay. I, I believe the technical term is wankers I think yes yeah i think I, I think yeah that's how i usually refer to them anyway
1: <laughs> um so at what point or with which band was it for you that you know like the first gig with that band you felt actually like comfortable as a front man as a singer up on stage and like can you ulterior yeah yeah so, and it was the first gig there, was a big... like... yeah, there was a big yeah there's a massive like
0: and mur- ended like people yeah. remember Merck. we were we were honestly we were knocking about from the age of 11 12 13 in bands trying to be the manics covering the stooges covering the small faces just and just enjoying ourselves really And the fact that i was in the squad of a premier league team and had a certain haircut everyone was like oh he's in a band and that was it i was Mm -hmm. i was in the press and i was like do you want to play do you want to play the garage in Islington? Do you want to play the boardwalk in Manchester? we were like, fucking hell, yeah, cool.
1: Yeah, of course you can. We had no
0: idea what we were walking into. And there were people going, go on then. Yeah. And I, when you stand on a stage, it's very different to being stood on a pitch, knowing that you can play and knowing that you deserve to be on that pitch with players of that caliber to standing and seeing the whites of people's eyes. And they're going, thrill me, like connect Mm. with me and like, oh, I'm not trained for this. Yeah,
1: But you got that I, with I Ulterior, can. though. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. And some. Because well, I was going to ask, what was more fun, touring Europe with Forrest or touring Europe supporting Sisters of Mercy? What do you reckon? Yeah, the second one, I reckon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, a lot less early nights. <laughs> um, But yeah, man, I mean, Ulterior were... Couldn't get arrested outside of London, but... We like we played everywhere, all over Europe. Japan was really digging us. Played South Africa, but I mean, when we hit London, like people don't know, man. Like we were a proper band. Like mm. we were early guns for electronics. So imagine, this is what we sounded like. The footage of it, I'll send. I'll send you particular footage that will define Ulterior and you'll be like, fucking, I wish I saw that band. So I based, I bought Blur's rehearsal PA, which was about, it was a 2.5K rig. And we had, up in Snenton, we had a warehouse because my brother worked for a guy who just made loads of clothes. And we had a warehouse. We built a room within a room. We used to have this 2.5K rig on about 2K every night with strobes going full blast like this. For four hours, we'd come out, honestly, mate, like falling about all over the shop. And the music was because Ulterior formed because the Libertines happened because after Oasis, I thought, well, if the fucking Libertines are the future of guitar music, by the way, <laughs> I, I quite enjoy the Libertines now. They're not my favorite band in the world, but I get it. Yeah, I get it. And I like them and they've got tunes. Um, But I just thought all this flailing about and this fucking frail crap to me, we was, we'd started going to techno clubs because that to me was visceral. It, it was like, I was I was at techno in techno clubs, going, you know, this is what it must have been. It must have felt like to watch the Stooges, you know, just something grabbing you and going, come on. And the libertines just didn't have that for me. I just I was not was not a I wasn't a fifteen year old girl, or a guy that didn't know music. So uh, it bored the life out of me. So early ulterior was nails techno. Jesus and Mary chain Psycho Candy era feedback and Mannix sloganeering and head-to-toe in leather or Raph Simmons hoodies. And fuck me, wait. We we fucked and fought our way across London like you wouldn't believe. record, Record labels were warning other bands away from us. We had a house in the middle of London in Hackney on Anton Street. And it was oh my god (laughs) when you when you imagine what you would do if you were young and in a band it was i'm not just talking rock and roll crap i mean giving our lives to it like sleeping rough and anywhere that mattered but being in the studio at nine in the morning and doing doing 10 hours before you went out and not you know not doing the wrong drugs or doing them at the right time or just we did it properly. Do you know what I mean? We grafted as hard as we played, and uh we were fucking brilliant, mate. Four, four, for six months. I honestly think we were the fucking hottest band on the planet, Excellent. London. We came through with the horrors and selfish cunt and these fucking like. So London was bubbling in this. Like the 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 day I retired from football, we were on the front cover of the enemy the hot, like London's dark new underground. Mm-hmm. And it was us, the horrors, selfish con. And I think a band called romance, um, factory floor, who were a great band, by the way.
2: All right,
0: Yeah. We, we hit that hard and we played, we played loads of shows, man, that were just, just thrilling to play. And I was just, I was in it. I was just there. And it was something more than I could ever imagine. Even playing at, walking out at Anfield, They're different memories to be, fair, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. but, but, but standing, knowing you're in control of that first row, second row, third row, fourth row, um, and the the evolution of Ulterior really was playing. We played one of the biggest nights we played was the George, um, the George Tavern, and we played a great show. It's just insane. It was, like everyone, we used to play at people. It was just so on the front mm-hmm. foot, and uh, we finished, and our our bassist Cole ran across the. The, uh, the bar and we finished, we walked up the stairs and Bobby Gillespie was there. We ended up chatting to him and he was just like, that was a, that was amazing. But what you guys need to do is write choruses. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we went, well, if Bobby Gillespie tells us to write choruses, we're going to go and write choruses. So we listened to what Axel Rose used to say, write your chorus and then make that a middle and then go and write the Mm. fucking chorus. So we did that. And then Wild in Wildlife, our first album was born, which um, uh, I'm insanely proud of. Even to this day, we get people saying it changed their lives. There's just an immense album. I'm really proud of it. Zlea Hadzic produced it, who produced um, some Bad Seed stuff and Tortoise and Sonic Youth. Um, So it's sonically thrilling. The louder you turn that up, we recorded the vocals on a, a microphone that was at the Nuremberg rallies, a ribbon mic that was at the Nuremberg rallies. We recorded over in the studio 150 where Paul Weller used to record in Amsterdam. It's a phenomenal album. Yeah. And then we went and toured that Sisters of Mercy played with a new order Killing Joke. Those loads of really little bands that I love like Red Lorry, Yellow Lorry and um, all these cool sort of post-punk bands and, um, tuxedo moon and and all these great bands and then we released um bleach room which is my favorite of the two albums and we've got we're making another album now um but because you're also
1: doing is it upper body is that you you guys
0: so we're in here now so the upper the upper body happened uh i would say because of covid really Mm. And it came around the whole Britpop footballer thing. So all this sort of character was growing. You could argue through fear, really, because I didn't really know what COVID was about. Hmm. And I wasn't aware of the sort of gravity of it. It was a nice summer with my family and everything was paid for. But there was a fear there that was growing, I think. And I I really sort of um, regressed into... Melody again, so right back to the Beatles and Big Star and the Stones and Grand Parsons and Northern Soul and just real comfort melodies. And again, Oasis. Reading, I've not listened to Oasis for years and like we'd start just getting back into that again. And the guy over there, Craig, who's just in the control booth now, I sat him down and like just said to him on the doorstep, by the way, with a few beers, as we all did. Like I've written about 30 songs, but like they're nothing like you'd imagine me writing. They're really like proper big indie tunes, like just big daft indie tunes. I don't care. I'm just writing them. I just like, I feel like I've got 10 minutes left to live. I'm 45. I wrote a song called The 45 at the time. I'm I'm 45. I'm like fucking dead in a minute, mate. Like just everything just, you know, my death felt present. It's a strange thing, really, and um, as he was like, I always thought he was a bit of a rock guy, Craig, because he was in another band, and he was he was like, "Oh mate, this is my world! Like, let's do something." So we we started illegally coming into the studio and sort of spending some time away from each other, but but whacking a load yeah. of songs down, yeah, um, and also going around to mum and dad's. And I remember my dad raided the loft and put a load of old training kit from the nineties and shirts down in the because I used to. I love my old man. My old man's like the fucking greatest human you could ever go for a pint with proper scouse as fuck.
1: <laughs>
0: I had a life and a half, like a proper life, like a proper life lunatic. So there's no one in the world. I'd rather have a pint with than my old man. So I used to walk to my mum and dad's it took me 45 minutes. I'd sit at the top and he'd just, have be a crate of Stella's halfway on the steps to live in his council house in Chilwell. And he used to come up and get his and I'd get mine. He's just sit there having a beer, but he put all this stuff down in front of me and, Bizarrely, this sort of weird character started to emerging. This sort of that 19-year-old kid, that fearless kid, started to bubble up in me again. And that and I'm holding him off at arm's length, but like he was coming through me mm. in a in a really weird way. And and I think a part of that was just accept who you are. Everybody remembers Merck. No one remembers Ulterior, although no matter what Ulterior did, was so much more. Everyone remembers your little school band. So go and be that guy. Do a podcast. Do talks. Do pod. Do other podcasts. Make a band. And it's become this sort of thin white Duke character, this character that... So I'm that character in the upper body. Like I'll come in here with the lads, and they will laugh their heads off. So I have little 80s football shorts and shin pads
2: nice yeah yeah uh,
0: stinking of deep heat Brilliant. legs oils <laughs> yeah. like you know the nose the Robbie Fowler nose strips oh. <laughs> uh, smelling salts so it's all here strappings so I'll put a strapping on and come in So I'm just clashing that that kid my, my past is just clashing into this character fuck knows what I'm going to do when I walk out on stage with the upper body they're oh. already <laughs> scared stiff they're scared stiff yeah um, um but I listen it's, it's to, just um, fun
1: it's just fun a friend of mine plays yeah. bass in a rupaul's drag race covers band so he sent me a picture wow. the other day of him dressed up as wednesday adams and he looked absolutely phenomenal so <laughs> you know brilliant embrace it go for it you're only here yeah you're here
0: You you know there's nothingness there's the great void
1: then you're alive for 10 minutes and then there's the great <laughs> void so fucking do it hey what else we got? That's it. Excellent. Um, who has been the biggest influence on your record collection?
0: Well, I can answer this one quickly. The two older brothers of the two lads
1: I mentioned that were yeah. in Merck. We usually have them, don't we? There's that, that older brother figure. So hopefully I was for Sam, but then I had like my friend Leon, who who does a show of us sometimes. He's one for me that turned me... He basically had MTV, um, a Walkman you could record on, and then a splitter cable. So we could both have headphones. Right, in well, on there the you go. Bus, yeah. So, so kitchen <laughs> dancing. Which band or artist makes you dance around in the kitchen like a bit of a dickhead? Now, I am a dickhead, but I'm
0: not much of a dancer. So I don't really dance. I certainly don't put music on when I'm cooking because I cook a lot at home. Uh, there's, I mean, there's no greater joy than cooking a curry on a Saturday night with. A few nice pale ales, uh, knowing my f- I'm going to walk into the, the lounge and put it all down in front of everybody with homemade chapati and a lovely curry. And
1: oh, can I can and it's it. taken
0: me two hours. Yeah,
1: you come around. <laughs> you're more than welcome.
0: But when I'm cooking, it's never up. So it's always either miserable Sinatra, right. Nick Cave, or Scott Walker. Okay. And I sing my head off brilliant, when I'm cooking.
2: Sinatra's good kitchen music. I
0: yes, think. yeah, I and like, he always um, he always makes me go to the uh, single malt drawer though, which is never <laughs> conducive to cooking.
1: That can get dangerous quite quickly, can it? <laughs> it? Can yeah,
0: but it's always the sad Sinatra stuff, um, all the lonely stuff. Mm.
1: Um,
0: we small hours, well, that kind of thing. We small hours, of course. Yeah,
1: wonderful song. Oh brilliant um, so um is there a band or a musician that you absolutely love but none of your mates get they're just like "Paul, mate i don't get it what are you listening yeah. to that for so
0: here's the point where you either press the off switch like queen or led set um i'll caveat this by one of the bands that the boy with the um, the older brother with the ball haircut got me into it was a band called the Poo Sticks, which were a C86 band um, that I still absolutely adore to this day. They meant as much to me as the Roses did. So when the Rose, Stone Roses came out, they felt like everybody's band, didn't they? Yeah. And they went massive. So they are everybody's band, but they felt like your band, sorry. The Poo Sticks never got massive, but to this day, if I put uh, multiple orgasm on by the Poo Sticks, I am 13, 14 years of age, and there's not another album that does it to me like that album. No one's heard of them. Every band no, I'm ever in, and I go check the Poo Sticks out. You've got to check this album out. It's all it's drum machines and uber pop, like like just thrash Beach Boys pop. Like it's just so infectious. Everyone goes. Yeah, not really for me. And I'm just like, <laughs> what? <laughs> no one gets them. But my big one, are you ready? Go on.
2: Springsteen. Oh, oh we all right. Springsteen. See you, mate. Yeah. No, no, no. Call it off. Call it off. This is it. So That's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. No, pool, no, Sam, tell tell you sti- no, no, Sam, you've got yeah. the wrong end of the <laughs> stick. No, Sam, so, you've
1: got Sorry, have we got the wrong end of the stick here? Oh, so this is a band on. you love, isn't it? <laughs> or a band you don't. <laughs> So, English people don't get Springsteen. Oh, no, no, we very much oh. get Bruce Springsteen.
2: Right, yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, we
1: absolutely sorry, adore I've, Bruce uh... Springsteen. Sam's oh, do you? Yeah, sorry, oh, yeah, I thought no, you were going the other yeah, way. No, no, Sam's fucked that up no, right no, right, the no, 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 I was. I,
2: I heard the words come out of your mouth and I got defensive. <laughs> I, I got defensive with my guitarist the other day. He started saying something about Springsteen. I said, I'm going to stop you there, mate. I said, I don't want to hear anything negative about him. Love Springsteen. Love The Boss. Absolutely love The Boss. Thank goodness it for was, that. Sam's got him tattooed so on his arm. Song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, got, got, got Thunder Road on the Thunder Road lyrics. Oh, on down on down oh down mate, somewhere. I just got shivers. Yeah. So
0: I Great came to Springsteen late. Oh, yeah. Um, I, you know, you can argue that um, 100%. I came to Springsteen late and um, like most people who, were, who think oh, I'm into cool music, you know, it was Nebraska and someone played me in Nebraska and I was just like, okay, all right. I've missed. I've, okay. It's not just big muscles. And st- let me listen to this. All right. And, um, uh, me and Frankie were laughing and drinking. I've got a brother. Nothing feels better than blood on blood taking turns. And you're just like, Oh my God. Like this guy is just singing my life. This is insane. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's doing it over there in a working class town, If you're working class and don't get Bruce Springsteen,
1: Mm. I don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's the whole, like, yeah, we talk so much about Springsteen, but it's like if you've ever lived in a small town, which most of us have, you've always had the desire to just get the fuck out of there. And I did, but I went to another small town and just had to get the fuck out of there. And then (laughs) rinse and repeat. Born to run, baby. Yeah, but yeah, what a man. I can't... uh...
0: Springsteen has become as important as Bowie to me. Mm -hmm. And I feel no qualms in saying that. Bowie let me know it's okay to be weird and to wear what the fuck I want. And if I want to wear skinny jeans and eyeliner and walk into the first team dressing room of Nottingham Forest, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to feel like a fucking creature and a God doing it. And I don't care what you think of me. Springsteen came when I'd had a kid. And family, and belonging to community, mm-hmm. just a fucking more grown up way of looking at the world. Mm-hmm. And you, I could split the two and go, kid, adult. That's yeah. as re, that's still relevant there. But if I, I'm sure you've seen Springsteen, and I'm sure I'm sure you've seen the phenomena of when people go to gigs this is relay into the your concerts right when people go to gigs i've seen i've seen things you people couldn't imagine <laughs> i attack ships <laughs> no i've um i've seen i've seen marilyn manson in the pop i've seen bowie in his pomp i've seen I've, I've seen like nirvana i've seen everyone i've seen everyone right i could go on for depeche everyone massive great bands Oasis in front of forty people. I've seen everyone done it right. Never, ever have I have I in my time been stood there at any of those gigs. Not one of them with the biggest grin on my face, mm. singing every word like that, with tears streaming mm. down my face from start to finish. It's religious seeing Springsteen, yeah. and I'm I'm not religious. I'm a, I'm an anti-theist, if anything, but seeing Springsteen the connection it has when you look over there and people kids dads mums everybody tears streaming there's not a single song he goes to the microphone and just sings it not one the i saw we saw him at villa park i took my daughter the other week hmm.
2: i was going to say was that on this tour
0: it was on this tour my god my god thunder road like some of the songs like i'm looking at my my 11 year old daughters looking at me like i don't know what to do i don't know how to process these emotions it was insane the guy is the guy glow the guy just aches it it glows from every pore and i mean fucking adam raised a cane are you shitting me lyrically
1: (laughs) there's so many of these artists as well and again Because we love Springsteen, he's always the default setting, really. But there's some of these artists that kind of rest on their past laurels or they use that to... You you know, the fan base is garnered from being massive in the 70s and they're still touring now. But for me, stuff that he's done in the last 20 years, like Wrecking Ball, like The Rising, they they stand up alongside anything he did in the the 70s or 80s. Maybe not so much in the 90s. That was a bit of a rough patch for him. But, you know, but yeah, like... But, but this Just, is it. So all my mates contemporaries,
0: nineties. Right, yeah. Springsteen was a mess in the nineties. Mm. They all, all they remember is Dancing in the Dark. Yeah. Right. That's all they remember. They remember the muscle bound. What a tune, by the way. You yeah. fucking write Dancing in the Dark. <laughs> yeah, by the way.
2: It's great. And like, fucking you now. You know you you must know the story. He goes in and he gives them the record. And he's like, this needs a single. And he's like, fuck you. I'll give you a single. And he he goes for a piss and he comes back and he's written written dancing in the dark you know Mental. and it's just like have it have it i don't care wow. have it and it's just like um i had a very similar experience with springsteen i i thought it was all like rock flag and eagle you know yeah. it was all very like um you know born in the usa and like born in the usa once you actually settle into it is a great song yeah but it doesn't sound have you seen like it on it. broadway
0: have you seen his version no, of that on the... no springsteen on broadway have you not watched it
2: um, I, I've I've heard the record, and he does it on the slide, doesn't he?
0: He does, yeah. That's right.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's gorgeous. And isn't it, isn't that what it was kind of originally supposed to be? Wasn't it originally kind of meant to be more? Quite possibly. Nebraska I mean, he wrote style, most of his I stuff,
0: think. didn't he? Just like like he did with Nebraska.
2: Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So I, I heard that, and I I I I, was really I had a friend who really liked him, and again, it was it was Darkness on the Edge of Town and Nebraska. He was like, listen to these records, man, and like. I flip flop between those two being his finest work. But like Rob said, there's some amazing stuff on Wrecking Ball. You know, that's that's a proper good record.
1: Yeah, it really is. Angry Springsteen, isn't it? Right, it's a one-day festival just for you. You get to book six bands. Who would you like to book?
0: Well, this question is normally of all time, so you can go back and Mm. you can pick any bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, you say that now. I knew you'd say that, but what I've done... (laughs) is pick bands now and it's right. a little less interesting, but I've but it, it might be interesting the fact that I've stuck to what's around now that what I could possibly get now. Like, this is a little boring if I'm honest, but um Springsteen because naturally. every time I've seen him, it's been life affirming. I'll be on my deathbed remembering my Springsteen gigs. the fact that I sat with my daughter on the last one was just wonderful. And she fell in love. I've never seen The Stones, so if if it's going to be of any time, and I can put whoever I want together, I've got I mean, you've got to see Midnight Rambler live, aren't you? Even if they're fucking doing it from wheelchairs, you've got to see it, yeah, surely, yeah. surely. So I'd, I'd I'd put The Stones up there. You've got to see McCartney. I've never seen McCartney like, and you see live footage of McCartney he "Does Blackbird," and he's like to not to choose a cool band. Over seeing McCartney do Blackbird just seems disingenuous to me. So I've been honest with you.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, speedle Stones. I know it's boring. I know that. Um, another band I've seen live that fucking lift that, that 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 dragged me through the gutters, but also left me scraping the sky with the angels was Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Every time I see them. They just take me to places. Yeah. Um, uh, they so yeah, just phenomenal. Um yeah, and the, then the um, last The Boatman's
1: one, cool is one of my favorite records of all time. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's beautiful. It's, it's so
0: The, the trilogy though of um Skeleton um what's the one before Skeleton Tree? with um, his Mrs. Naked yeah. on the front.
1: Off the top of my head, it's gone. Anyway, that trilogy of Ghost Teen. Yeah. Ghost
0: Teen, Skeleton Tree, and the other one. Yeah. Uh, just were insanely insanely beautiful. Um I came to again I came to Nick Cave late. So I prefer his later stuff. I prefer mm-hmm. Ghost and Skeleton Tree to the Boatman's Call and all his earlier Bad Seed stuff, although they were fucking brilliant. Yeah. But um and then God this one is so uncool. But I've never seen them and they're, they're actually one of my favorite bands, The Strokes.
2: Oh, oh yes my man. Right. Tell my brother why the Strokes are brilliant because they're, I've tried they're the perfect band. he won't have it. They're, they're the great, perfect they? band. Yeah. I,
0: I, I don't understand how you can listen to the first album and go, mm. mm-hmm. quite, agree. Looked, quite agree. Every single one of them look brilliant. Every single musical part is where it should be. Albert Hammond Jr. is in the fucking band for crying out loud. Mm. Uh, they're yeah. just, they're, they're thrilling, they're dangerous. The only downside is they're posh, but are we really going to Do that. You know, probably some some great (laughs) Yeah, but there's some you know yeah, 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 yeah. There's yeah, but um but that's half the point of the strokes, isn't it? Like
2: five fucking
0: beautiful posh boys on the streets of fucking New York hitting it hard and being cunts and fucking models and playing the greatest rock and roll music and everyone wants to be who doesn't want to be in the strokes?
2: My brother Rob. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why not? Oh my God. Anyway, I also think it's um, almost like um, Rob to complete this greaser, which is kind of the fun part of the podcast, I suppose. But the Strokes album sounds a little bit like if the Ramones were going in like 2000. Yeah. I think it's that, that similar. I know there's like uh, the obvious connection there, but like that's what it sounds like to me, at least. I think what you're hearing the
0: Strokes, and, and I love a band that looks beautiful, I do. But I think what you're hearing the Strokes is a band that's just fearless with tunes and they're cooking mm. and any band that's doing that. You could argue with the greatest rock and roll band of their generation. Like you could argue guns and roses with the greatest rock and roll band of all time. When you see them at the Ritz or the rock. So you see that live footage, you know, uh, you could argue that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You could argue the doors at points. You could argue, um, the Beatles or the stones, at points, certainly the stones fucking hell. Um, but bands that just hit that—they just hit that zeitgeist, don't they? And just—and um, I think people can tell the fake. They can tell it doesn't. They don't necessarily need to be a good band. It's just—it's sorry—a a popular band. It's just if they're fuck—if they're on fire, every single one of them is cooking and on fire. And the Strokes, man, fuck you know—they were cooking and they look like that. And yeah, that I just—I so I would throw the Strokes on because I've never seen them, and I've—they and they actually played. I didn't go. They played um, the rescue rooms near us in Rock City. 400 people should have gone. Didn't go. Don't know why.
2: A friend of mine said he uh, he went to see The Strokes when they toured that the first album over here. Um, and he said he paid know, like 200 quid for the ticket, which in like, you know, yeah. this was sort of 2000. So now that's like ridiculous, you know, almost ridiculous money then. Uh, he said he rocked up and he thought, oh, they'll, there'll be a bit of a show, they'll do some like new stuff, they'll do a few B-sides and he said he, they turned up played the f- album front to back and walked off, that was it and he said he didn't feel short-changed <laughs> yeah. yeah he was just like, well, alright, that's what you want to do you do what you do you
0: like the Mary Chain playing 15 minutes and fucking off causing a riot Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. right, if you could time travel, which particular musical era or scene would you like to go back to?
0: Well, for me, it would be um, it would be 80s New York. It would be the New York of CBGB's, The Mud Club, Basquiat, Keith Herring, Vincent Gallo, Madonna, all the club kids, The Birth of Hip Hop, Suicide, who are one of my favorite bands of all time, who we were the punkest punk band ever because they were electronic. And getting axes thrown at them while supporting the Ramones and the pistols and <laughs> fucking brilliant Talking Heads, Blondie, New York Dolls, Richard Hell, punk becoming post-punk, mm-hmm. the overhang of Warhol's Factory. Um, I guess only marred by the emergence of HIV and AIDS, and um, but just the fact that it looked like it was it was a bomb site. It's almost the t- the atypical great art comes from from the gutter and from trash and from poverty yeah uh, you had artists living in like the meatpacking district in like those quintessential sort of floor to ceiling windows warehouse there were parties going on and like these these pads now are worth yeah, yeah 40 million pound yeah. dollars yeah and they were fucking squats and like um yeah that's the era that i find thrilling um
1: it's funny as well geographically especially in the states because like new york is clearly the hub but if you don't have that scene kicking off like it does it doesn't spill down to like it doesn't spill down to REM in Georgia. It doesn't go up to Minneapolis and the replacements. It doesn't get to Boston with dinosaur Junior and all of that. Oh my God. You know, so without that kicking on there, you don't get, you don't get the pixies. You don't get Nirvana. You don't get everything that comes like, and yeah, almost, I know that there's a lot of, um, a lot of stuff said about, you know, the pistols and the clash and the damned and like the London punk scene, if you like, but, to me is that New York scene is the accelerant really that, on that fire. that just sends it everywhere.
0: It was, yeah, you're right. It, it,
1: to me, it was almost like the funnel it,
0: and, and the top end of the funnel, you've got like sick, the Velvets, the sixties, Warhol sixties avant-garde yeah. all coming through yeah, and it, seven, even and like and got Stooges in that. Of course, the yeah. Stooges, absolutely 100%. And you've got disco filtering yeah. in there and it all hits eighties, uh, New York. And then comes out that when you've yeah. got electro hip hop coming out of it. Mm-hmm. And it, it just spun it, yeah. and you've got these great artists like that went back to the streets. You got Basquiat, Keith Haring, who got became famous for graffiti. There was another fellow as well He used to draw shadows everywhere. I forget his name, yeah. but um, and yeah, it it just it flipped everything and spat it all out. And you get post punk, um, like say hip hop, birth of hip hop, ele- disco turns into electro, um, and off we go again.
1: Yeah. That's it, and it just keeps like re- not recycling itself. That's the wrong word, but it keeps gaining energy from what came before. And yeah, yeah. and but yeah, I, I think we said me and Sam have said a lot that you know. For all... Have you ever seen Downtown '81?
0: The no. Jean-Michel Basquiat documentary. No, I don't go. have. No, uh, you should watch it. It's really interesting because it's it follows him around the streets. Oh, uh, I might ca- have like done, actually carrying carrying like canvases. Yeah. If you see downtown uh, New York at that time, you're like, "How are these people living? Mm-hmm. It's 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 so impoverished." Yeah, but you've got these artists just glowing with life. It's as if they thrive in it, like, like, I don't know, some sort of um, parent, like. The parasitic to the the filth, you know, some yes. sort of cockroaches that create that then grow beautiful butterfly wings. Mm-hmm. It,
1: it, it's amazing. It, There's uh, so much art about out of that scene because like you have even got like people. Is it Larry Clark? The, yeah, the kids, yeah, Corsair and that. And yeah. like did, I think he did a project where he was f- f- uh, photographing like um, Puerto Rican rent boys in New York, and it's all, all set. You know, and it's all in that hub of late yeah. '70s, early '80s New York grime really yeah want of a better yeah. term but yeah but it was
0: it was filth they were living yeah. in filth and... but weirdly and this is the great thing about this is why i love the 80s there was money around hmm. so you could get a club kid like madonna and go you know when you walk into a club when you were when we were kids and you'd see a girl and she just fucking shone she just shone you'd never get with her and they were just she's had something she was weird and odd and otherworldly in the '80s, you could go. You, thank you, over here. There's a load of money and great hits. Yeah. Off you go. Yeah. You get Madonna. You, you can't do. You don't do that no. now. You don't. Do, you get the. You get the girl who can sing well, who's manipulated well from the Rada line, mm-hmm. and and off they go. And you get Taylor Swift. And uh, fine, cool. Nothing against Taylor Swift. Um, by the way, I couldn't believe Lana Del Rey wasn't one of those people when she first came out because how perfect was she? Hmm. When she came out. I
2: can't believe Lana Del Rey's got like eight or nine records. Like
0: mate, she's one of my can- favorite artists ever. She's unbelievable. It's embarrassing. Like- she should be embarrassed how good she is. She came from nowhere. When someone yeah, played yeah. me video games, honestly, I was like, Well, that's clearly some manufactured no mm. one comes out that fully formed. Yeah. And I was like, No, she wrote it, mate. Like, get ready. Like she's just as so good. Anyway, I I digress. But um, but yeah, that's my period. That, that eights is. Brilliant. New York.
1: Brilliant. Um, you get to add one song to our playlist for the ages. And we're either going to put it on a time capsule or we'll send it into space. But just one song you get to add. So what is that?
0: Okay. So I thought I needed to counter my um, fairly boring gig of six artists.
2: Oh <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. With
0: with um a track, a live track by John Coltrane called Crescent, which is live at uh, Temple University. I'm just reading here, it's from the offering album. Um now this track so this brings us back to Irreversible or the Mannix Holy Bible, where you hear something that's so nakedly human it's breathtaking and you've got in order to do that I think you've got to be a master and Coltrane was if nothing else a master he knew this is Coltrane breaking genius so it starts off melancholy and it's it's really um um yeah it's, it's, it's really quite beautiful and melancholy and then, but then all the all the kind of flat notes, all the all the sort of dissonant notes that he starts playing with, he starts really honking them through and like really getting nasty with them. And there's a section of it that's about three or four minutes. It's not a pleasant listen. put it that let's put it that way, but it's worth your time just once because you'll understand what I'm talking about. Please listen to it. it's 15 minutes long. there's about a five minute section where John Coltrane, Arguably one of the greatest, arguably the greatest saxophone player of all time. One of them played in Miles's band, by the way. Uh, in, in Miles' best, maybe second best quartet. I don't know. That's arguable. But he's just honking on a disc. Dis-
2: mm.
0: Taking a deep, you can hear his breath. And he's just going. And you're like thinking, has he lost his mind? Yeah, what yeah, yeah. is this? It's, honestly, it's breathtaking. You just like going and it's a real moment. It's a real kind of this is a guy that can float me off on clouds, that can go around his circle of fists like this and tie you up in knots and you're like, whoa, and bounce around. But has just decided to honk fuck out of this piece of metal <laughs> for five minutes.
1: to express himself because he
0: can but it's he's it's not that bore it's not that he's not just honking it he's playing he's playing this pain through this machine through this piece of metal he's playing it and it's fucking rattling it through i've never heard anything like it in my life the only thing i can possibly put it close to where people I, I put this down, and then I put Or Frankie Teardrop by Suicide, which is very similar. Brilliant, <laughs> Because that's that's like, wow, okay, you never unhear Frankie Teardrop by Suicide. Um, by the way, Springsteen, massive Suicide fan. Have you heard his version of Dream Baby Dream?
2: I know the song. I, I, um, I don't think I know the original, however.
0: Please look up Listen to Dream Suicide, Dream Baby Dream, Electro, Dream Baby Dream, Alan Vega, hmm, (laughs) doing his thing, and Springsteen's is on an organ. You
1: gotta dream,
0: baby, dream forever. It's got, it's oh my god, it's so beautiful.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I know that I know the the Springsteen one. i I probably didn't even realize it was a cover.
0: Listen to the Suicide version; is it it will it will put the Springsteen one. Alan Vega was a massive Springsteen. Sorry, Springsteen was a massive Alan Vega fan,
1: this right. big
0: Suicide fan, really informed them. Brilliant. But yeah, so it, it would be the Coltrane track for me. And I hope that's given me the cred back from my Beatles and Stones <laughs> gig.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, friend of the show, Ian Graham, we'd be very pleased that there's now a second piece of jazz on the playlist because he, he's our resident jazz expert and he's slowly schooling <laughs> me in his wicked ways. So, uh, um, once, Paul, Hey, once you get yeah.
0: in there, you're done.
1: That was great. That was so much fun. Thank you so much oh, for my pleasure. Yeah, I, I feel like we've taken all your night as well. But so thank Not you for being so generous with your moods, time.
0: Straight away. I've got harmonies to do.
1: Oh, excellent. Um, <laughs> I shall leave some links in our show notes for all of your music, whether that's um upper body or ulterior. Um, um
0: there's another band called Violence as well that's Vice. just released, just released spelt like silence, that's just yeah. released a um an album um called Amore. Uh, Which is on Spotify, so check it out if you're into that sort of. It was written nine years before, so it wasn't aped. But if you like the whole sort of Scott Walker tilt, Nick Cave, Skeleton Tree sort of thing, it's me, a double bass, uh, a a piano, a pianist, and a a little noise machine. I listened some of that
2: today actually, and really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's an odd. They haven't listened to all of it, and and I. When expected I, I to, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I listened to a podcast on recently um, about forest and you're saying about it. So when I was doing a bit of research for tonight and Rob, yes, I do occasionally research our guests and, uh, and all the topic of the podcast. Um, and I, yeah, I thought it was interesting from what you know, how you were saying about it. it was kind of finished touring. You know, yeah, how it all came about. So I put it on and yeah, no, I enjoyed it. Yes, yeah, when I'm Oh, together.
0: nice one. Thank you. So there's, there's that. So I am in three bands.
1: Brilliant. That's
0: yeah. So there's a violence just album, album just out. Ulterior. I've written it. It's over with Aid Fenton, who actually is is um, producing the album, who's who was responsible for turning Gary Newman into um, into Trent Reznor, essentially. Um, uh, yeah, he's, he's a big Forest fan. Aid as well, so he's a good lad. Aid and the Upper Body, who we release. Uh, every month or two a double a side and that's what we're doing and this fucking lunatic in shorts and shin pads is going to front it
1: <laughs> it's going to be amazing i'm going
2: to i listened to a bit of that as well i particularly enjoyed the 45 but yeah, here when i listen to that again thinking of you and your old forest gear and your Robbie Fowler knows, man. That's going to be a whole new slant on that. Actually. There
1: you go, yeah. There you go. Excellent. I'll leave all the links nice to one. that in um, in the show notes, and also Wonderful. you'll find all of our links and stuff for the socials and our DIY record label and our Patreon. Never forget the Patreon. And um, Paul, yeah, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank. Oh,
0: uh, cheers, guys. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank yeah. you for having me.
1: Sam, thanks for not fanboying too hard. That's all right. That's <laughs> best. Um, I've been Rob Jones, and this was Records <laughs> and